While we pay a lot of attention to the shoes that we wear during our runs, what we put on our feet after our runs is just as important. That's why we love UFO's recovery shoes. As a recovery product, UFO's absorb 37% more impact than traditional footwear, which helps your feet, your ankles, your hips, and lower back recover faster. So while slipping into your favorite pair of UFOs after a hard workout gives you that ooh and ah feeling, you can wear them all day long. We wear ours around the house, while working from home at our stand-up desks, or even out and about running errands. Check out the UFOs line at www.ufos.com. We are super excited, pun intended, to welcome our newest sponsor, Supergirl. That's S-O-U-P-E-R-G-I-R-L. Supergirl is a kosher women-founded food delivery business. All of their soups are delicious, plant-based, and available for delivery throughout the U.S. except Alaska and Hawaii. Sorry to our Alaskan and Hawaiian listeners. Hopefully that will be delivered to you soon. In the meantime, those of you who want to try Supergirl, they have kindly offered our listeners a 20% discount. Just enter the code RUN20 at checkout to receive 20% off your subscription. I've been a Supergirl subscriber for a number of years. And what's really nice is that you can adjust your subscription depending on what's going on during the week. There's no obligation. You're not locked in for months or a year or anything like that. My favorite soups during the summer are the gazpachos. They are delicious, and uh, I just love their soups. They're healthy, plant-based, kosher, and it's really nice to know you're supporting a local business that ships nationwide. So give Supergirl a try. You won't regret it. And thanks so much to Supergirl for sponsoring our podcast. Hey, Julie. Hey, Lisa. Happy 100. Woohoo! Who would have thought? <laughs> 100 episodes. What? A, it's amazing. I, I can't believe we're here. I can't either. I mean, we've we've been really consistent. I think I think what is most shocking for me is that we've had 100 episodes worth of material and we still have more to come, but also we've been really busy. So I just want to give us a little pat on the back because we've managed to to fit this in. It hasn't always been pretty. And sometimes, you know, especially with our kids being home the past year and a half, it's been a lot of, we're recording quiet, quiet, and and just squeezing in. But as I've said before, it's just the highlight of my week often. And certainly this podcast has gotten me personally through a lot of tough moments over the past year and a half. So uh, thank you. Absolutely. And I want to give you a big shout out because really um, people probably don't see this, but you really do a lot of the legwork behind this podcast. You are hustling for, for guests. You really, you, 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 I don't think we could have done this without like your hard work. So really you do so much work and it's just not visible because it just comes out and everyone listens to it and doesn't realize kind of all the hard work that goes on behind it. And you put in, you know, you really source, find great guests. You reach out to them. You schedule, you send me the questions like today's questions, you know, like you're, you really do a lot of the hard work. And so um, I think, and really, frankly, when we started this, you know, I was kind of was like, who's going to listen? Like, what, what do you mean a podcast? Like, who's going to listen to this? And if it weren't for you pushing it and then really seeing it through, I don't think we'd be at 100 episodes. So, like, thank you to you, really. 
Oh my gosh. Well, I feel the same way about you. Our guest uh, that's coming up next week is all you, Lisa. You've brought on some amazing guests. So I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. So props to both of us. But um, I appreciate you going along for the ride because I do remember before episode one, I did propose the idea and you were like, who's going to listen to us? I'm a little uncomfortable with this. And I was like, let's just try it. And you know, you've been amazing and you and you really like you've been very open about sharing your story, which we'll talk about, but you've added so much more to this podcast than running. And I just so appreciate you um, just sharing more about your life. And uh, yeah, so thank you. And who would have thought? <laughs> so yeah, here I we are. Say, we'll talk a little bit more about this soon, but um, it's been such a, like, such a pleasant, wonderful gift that we've had. Um, you know, I thought, like, if, like I said at the beginning, it was like, who's going to listen and what are we going to talk about? Um, and it's given us the opportunity to connect each week, especially over the last year and a half when it's had to be via Zoom. And it really ends up being a highlight of my week and something I look forward to. And not only that, but the people we've connected with. Um, and, and, you know, we said, who is going to listen? And really, who's going to listen? We've met people all across the globe who, who listen. And I will quickly tell our, one of our favorite stories I've probably told before on the podcast, but for someone, people who haven't heard, um, back when we first started the podcast and went to Boston that first year and um, you know thought, we, we decided to do a little get together. We announced on the podcast, if anyone wants to come do a little meetup. Um, and we thought, again, it's gonna be you, me, a couple of our runners, like, who's it gonna be? You know, We're gonna have like a few people there. And we were shocked that we had, I mean, it was probably, 30 or 40 people. And we had people from Australia, I remember, and Iowa and California and Texas and um, North Carolina and all over. And people who came and said, I'm a first time runner and for, for Boston. And it was like so helpful to listen to your tips where somebody said, I've run this 10 times, but it was just so neat to hear it from a different perspective. And it was such the gamut of, of people. And my favorite story from that year is that we were, um, we had, we had finished the race. You had, or maybe it was the we both I know I think it was the year you were injured so the second year maybe it was but we had you had watched the race I had run the race and we'd gone back to the hotel to check out and um we were um on in the process of leaving and we had gone to the, the ladies room and I had left the ladies room you were still in the ladies room and I was in the hall waiting for you and a woman saw me and saw I think I had my medal or, or maybe a shirt on and and struck up a conversation and said congratulations and she had run the race I said congratulations to you and we struck up a conversation she asked where I was from and I told her outside of DC and she said, Oh, I listen. Do you know these podcasters from your area? I listen to these great podcasters. It's like my favorite new podcast. And I'm in my head thinking who from our area is a podcaster. Have I, have I heard the pod? Like what, what podcast is it? that she's going to tell me that she's going to mention. And she said, it's this, these two women, it's run farther and faster. And Lisa and Julie, and I just looked at her with this look on my face. I said, I'm Lisa and Julie's in the bathroom <laughs> and then you came out and you met her and it was just such a neat <laughs> thing to like happen to run into somebody who talked about our podcast to me like it was so it was just kind of that moment of like wow like people listen and it they, they, they've liked it so that that was really cool and so um, it has been so much more than I thought um, it was going to be in lots of different ways. For sure and it really it got us both through some really tough times and um yeah, so we started out this podcast. Our first episode was just us talking to each other about ourselves. And we really, um, while we do have episodes where it's just us, typically those are providing coaching tips 
Um, so listeners, if you'll indulge us, we're going to do it again. We're, we're going to actually interview each other. And now's your time, if this doesn't interest you, to turn it off. But if you well, are let's interested, start quickly. let's start quickly before we get to that, because we are a Boston Marathon podcast, we will make a quick mention of an announcement that came out from the BA this morning, which is relevant to anybody who's running the Boston Marathon. I know there have been a lot of questions about um, COVID protocols and the BA did tell us when we registered that we needed to accept um, in, in our registration, we needed to um, basically, you know, consent to some sort of COVID protocols. And um, we'd been a little bit nervous that we hadn't heard anything um, from the BAA. I know a lot of the other um, marathon majors have sent out a lot of information about their protocols and we hadn't heard anything. So it was making us just a little bit, a little bit anxious, a little bit nervous. Um, but this morning we did get an email about the um, health and safety policies and protocols that will be in place. And in a nutshell, um, all runners will have to show proof of a vaccination and or a negative COVID test within 72 hours prior to the start times on Monday um, to be able to participate and to be able to get into the expo to pick up your bib. So um, the quickest way it sounds like to get into that expo is going to be providing proof of vaccination, um, which can be, they said, photocopy, picture, scanned copy, hard copy, but proof of your vaccination. And if you provide that, then you'll have, um, there will be a, a bracelet system and you'll get a bracelet that will permit you to go into the expo, onto the buses, get your medal, kind of go through the whole process, the whole race process. If you're not vaccinated and you need to be tested, um, they will have that on site there, but you won't be able to go into the expo or get that bracelet that permits you to do all of the um, race related activities until that negative COVID test result is back. So they are not requiring the vaccination. It says it is strongly recommended that all entrance staff and volunteers are vaccinated, but in any case, you will need to provide a, at least a negative COVID test. So they are certainly working, um, you know, they've really worked through this in a thoughtful manner and consistent with many of the other races that are happening. Um, I'm doing the Philadelphia distance run uh, in a few weeks and they sent something out the other day that's exactly the same protocol. You either need to show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test to be able to participate. My favorite line in this uh, email that just came out is advising people to avoid kissing um, <laughs> kissing uh, individuals along the route. <laughs> like what <laughs> other race would have that specific instruction? <laughs> yes, that, that actually is very relevant to Boston. And um, right, so more specifically, um, they did, you know, they are requiring masks on the buses, which is a big question that we had of like that, you know, thinking about the Boston Marathon experience. First, the expo, we talked about this before the expo being really packed and the buses kind of being a, a big, a big concern. So, um, so, uh, you know, we, um, you, you will need to wear them on the bus. Um, and in, um, uh, let's see, um, any indoor settings within the Boston Marathon Expo. Um, so you, we are not required to wear them while participating, but, um, you know, so while running, but we will have, they will have masks available uh, at the finish for anyone who wants to wear one at the finish, but it doesn't sound like they're required at the finish, um, uh, but they are required in, um, in a medical tent. Yeah, so it's probably smart to bring a couple of disposable masks and tuck those away along with your nutrition this year. And the other thing I was thinking is uh, just take a, a couple of uh, photos of your vaccine card rather than worrying about finding that because I would imagine the lines already at this expo are long year after year, but to add that extra layer where one must show proof of vaccination and then get a bracelet on, that that 
may add just you know a minute or two to each person which will extend the line so just just like going through TSA, be prepared, have things um, available and ready to show so that the line can run smoothly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what you know what, Lisa, before Boston, as we always do, we'll do a race prep episode and, and we can reiterate all of this and that, but definitely some things to think about in terms of logistics. The other thing I was thinking about is, you know, one of the things I love about Boston so much is uh, going to dinner with everyone beforehand and then of course meeting afterwards at fire and ice and i'm kind of thinking we we should probably stick to something more outdoors um dinner in a big group probably just isn't as viable certainly going to dinner with a few friends outside is a great option but a big indoor group is just it's just pro not practical this year and then in turn um hanging out at the bar afterwards you not know, it's just not a great idea. It's such a, it's it's hard to give up those traditions, but you know, this is not a traditional year, and a, we can make new memories uh, doing it in October, probably one and done, and and we'll remember this for the rest of our lives, just as we do any Boston. So we will embrace the suck and kind of figure out how to make it memorable, but in a different way. And just like clockwork, uh, like every podcast episode. Uh, Cooper rang the bell to go outside just as we started talking. So I apologize for the barking in the background and uh, yeah, every episode. So anyway, <laughs> hey Cooper and, and Buster, we'll, 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 there he is. And Buster also <laughs> has a picture. I, I took a picture of you and Buster. He's sitting next to you where you're podcasting at the table as if he's participating as your co-host. So yes. I'm looking at, at you now and it's it's just making me giggle that Buster is like sitting at the table with you as if he is part of the process. So anyway, our podcast pups are definitely engaged. So why don't we roll right into it? Um, Lisa, can I ask you the first question? Can I start it off? Yeah. Go, okay. go for and it. So, so how we're doing this is we came up with you uh, ten, <laughs> give yourself some credit, Julie. <laughs> fine. Okay. So a busy week. I, Julie went all the work into this one. Okay. So uh, I'll say we because you approved them. We came up yeah, with ten true. questions, and um, we're gonna ask each other. And so um, we were gonna do twenty, but it would have been like a two-hour episode. So we're gonna do ten. All right, Lisa. Question number one: Who? has been your favorite guest on the podcast so far? This was so tough. And I actually went back and looked through all our older episodes just to refresh my memory because it's been a really long time. And um, really two stood out, but I, I will start with the one that came to mind first and that I really just always enjoy is um, Dave McGillivray, uh, the Boston Marathon race director. He's been on, I think, three times now. I, I thought we thought two, but it was three times that I saw in our past episodes. First of all, he's always just so um, kind and willing to come on our podcast. We reach out, he says, immediately, immediately says, sure, just tell me when. He's so willing to chat and um, generous with his time. So that's always wonderful. And I just, um, aside from the fact that he's the race director of the Boston Marathon, which we obviously both love, I've always loved um, his outlook on life. And I just, a lot of his um, little, um, you know, uh, lessons that he's told us that he's learned along the way stick in my head a lot. Um, you know, hanging on to hope, like that's always something that um, a message that he gives us. He's always so positive, which I just really love. He's turned so many lemons into lemonade and he, um, my race, my rules, you know, like uh, adapting and figuring out how to, um, you know, how to change your circumstances and, and, and take advantage of them for the best. So 
I just, I always enjoy talking to him. I could listen to him all day. I love the lessons that he's brought to our podcast. So, so he was my, my first, but as I was looking back through them, I also very fondly um, reflected on one of my favorites, which was um, Sarah Mae Berman and her husband, Larry. I, 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 you're good. <laughs> I know you're good. We're probably, so we should also tell everybody that Julie and I usually have like the same answers to everything, even if we don't collaborate beforehand, <laughs> we usually have, that's why we get along so well. But um, Sarah Mae Berman and Larry just, um, first of all, their love story was just so, um, it really struck me as they were so dedicated to each other. And so it's um, just so sweet. And, um, and, you know, when they couldn't run anymore, they found other things they were passionate about, like inline skating. And uh, they, they were just so lovely. And so that was one that, uh, you know, we got, we get off of most of our podcast saying, wow, that was awesome. And that person really made us think or, or inspired us or made us laugh or made us smile. Um, so they all do that in some way, but those would be the two that stick out to me. What about you? Okay. I, I, it is no surprise. My answer is the same that Sarah May and Larry Berman, I just, I felt like I was talking to my Bubby. Like I just loved them so much. I loved their outlook. They were so um, youthful and energetic, supportive of each other. And aside from the fact that she continues to be an incredible athlete, um, if you just kind of read their story on the surface, it felt like it was a little sexist, like she relied on Larry and Larry kind of guided her, but really it was Larry just is, continues to be such a supportive husband and really just wants the best and the most successful for his wife. And she leans on that and wants to make sure that he's recognized for that. So when we initially reached out to Sarah May through Gloria Ratty, um, of blessed memory. I'm so sad that she passed away this month. Um, it, we were a little struck when Sarah May wrote back and said, I will only do it if my husband Larry is on the podcast. And that's oh exactly my gosh. what I'll always remember. Like that I'll remember. <laughs> and then we realized why though, when we, when we met them both. And yeah. like you said, they were like, the Bubby and Zadie. And I, that reminded me too, they told us when we come to Boston that they would, they would, they would, they would have us over. We need to reach out to them. We need to we get in touch with so them. Many. We have, you know what? I do want to reach out to them, but I'm kind of thinking I'd almost rather wait till April. Is that weird? Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I also when we're in better, like um, COVID situations, but um, yeah, but yes. Yeah. They, they were lovely. You know, I have to tell you, they remind me a little of um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Marty Ginsburg, like oh, just, so just good. You know, just they like, they love each other so much and support each other. And like you said, at first glance, we were like, why does she need her husband on the call? And then it just made sense to us that they are, they were so supportive of each other and they, they were each other's cheerleaders. And that to me, um, I, that will, I will always remember that. So that was, I agree with you. So yeah, since you gave two, I'll give another one. Um, okay. Like you said, there are so many and my answer is not because necessarily these guests were my favorite because it was the best episode to listen to or the audio was the best or anything like that. It was just, <laughs> for me, just, they were the guests that their words really stuck with me. So the other guest, um, unfortunately the audio is crappy on this, but it was BD Deutsch. Um, she's been on our podcast a couple of times as well. And as a reminder, she is, um, an Israeli marathoner who found, uh, running later in life and has, uh, six, is it five or six kids? Does she have, I, I think five. five and yeah, it's five. And she's an observant Jewish woman who really, um, 
believes so much that her running is a gift from God and she really uses her faith as a tool to bring her strength when she's going through tough times, whether within running or outside of running. And she's just very eloquent and the way she describes her journey and how she feels about running and, and how grateful she is, I think, regardless of whether one is a person who believes in a higher power or not, I think her words are are very relevant to anyone who is just looking for a way to push through struggle. So um, in spite of the audio on the first episode, if you haven't listened, take a listen and be patient with us. We just, we had to go through a couple of growing pains with this podcast initially to kind of figure some things out. And you know, our audio isn't always perfect, but with that one, I was, it, well, she was also, in Israel think, too. She was in Israel, <laughs> right. In Israel, like, there it, were, was like, probably, it was harder to use what like yeah. we typically use with our domestic, you know, guests. So yeah, we had to find, yeah. So, but, but I, I agree with you that she's always been um, also somebody, like you said, very good words of wisdom and a great, she always, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, she exudes happiness and joy. Um, so yeah, that's a, uh, I agree. That's great. So okay. can I go on to the next question? I'll ask you the yes. next question. How has your perspective on your running and life changed since March, 2020? I would say I like things to be before March, 2020, I really relied on order and um, uh, schedules and routine. And that always provided a comfort to me, whether within running and life. So um with respect to parenting my kids, I always found it very comforting for myself and the way my family runs to have everyone on in a routine. And this is what you're supposed to do at this time of year. And this is what you're supposed to do at this point and rituals and tradition. And uh, COVID just really threw me for a loop like everyone else, because suddenly all of the rituals, traditions, big or small, were thrown out the window. One of which, of course, uh, relatively minor in the scheme of things, of course, is our running of the Boston Marathon. And that was kind of the first blow because COVID coincided very closely with the cancellation of Boston. So we weren't used to cancellations yet when Boston was canceled. So um, I would say how it things changed for me, how my perspective changed on running in life is that I realized that routines and rituals aren't as important as I thought they were. And that what's really important is that we are all, whether in a routine or not, healthy and safe. And to that end, while routines and rituals provide comfort and things to look forward to, sometimes we have to find alternative ways to make ourselves happy and we are responsible for our own happiness from within. It's not the routines, the rituals, the holidays and such that make us happy. So finding ways to make ourselves happy and over the past year and a half to make ourselves feel satisfied, comforted, safe, all the things for ourselves and our families, um, we've had to be creative and, and also understand that what is what we're used to isn't what this year and maybe future years will hold and dealing with that disappointment but also recognizing that it may not always be a bad thing to change things up and look within to figure out what's important um is how my perspective has changed how about you that's great mine's really similar i think a lot of us went through similar things but i think that's really um you know very very similar I, i think for me it um made me uh, focus on the important things and slowing down. Um, you know, we, we, we went through life. I look at kind of pre-pandemic life as 
and it still is busy, but it was so busy. And we really, again, kind of similar to what you said, um, focused ourselves on our routines and what had to, what we thought had to be done and what had to happen. And it really consumed our lives and didn't give us that chance to like sit back and say like, we don't have to do this. So um, for me, it really was um, focusing on the important things and slowing down and realizing that again, similar to you, that like we'd be okay if we didn't have all that stuff. And actually we're even maybe better in a sense. And now that we're getting back to activities, I'm trying to carry that forward and think like, okay, we don't have to do all of this. We don't have to commit to everything. We can take the quiet, kind of slow it down and take, take some quiet time. It's hard with, you know, kids and activities in school and just life. Um, but it did uh, make me see that, uh, you know, made me slow down and stop and focus on things around me versus like plowing through the day and focusing on like what's next on the calendar and what needs to be done. Um, so that's sort of, you know, how my, my perspective changed. And, and, you know, you had mentioned running too. Running was so focused on races and on like what's the next race and what's the next race. And all of a sudden we didn't have races and it was running just to run and to cope with whatever we were going through. And I kind of like that now, like as much as I'm glad races are back, like I don't feel like I need them anymore. Like I just like the running. And so for, for, in terms of my running, how my perspective changed, it was really shifted from that, what's the next race, what's the next goal, what's the next race, to like, how is this, how is this helping me today? Like, what is, how, what role is this playing in my life today? Do I need to run today? Do I, you know, do I, how far do I want to go today? I don't feel like going that far. Like, you know, I, it, it really helped me tune into my body. And, um, and so that, you know, like I said, that made me not focus as much on, on the goal, but on the process. Great answer. I think there's two conclusions to be drawn from that for both of us. And again, like our answers are similar because I think you and I are so similar in so many ways. But I think the first is, um, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I, I'll speak for myself. I think sometimes in, unintentionally, I draw value from being busy, from, from having a, my plate full and doing a lot of different things. And this really helped me separate from busy and having my plate full and my value and, and what I'm adding, you know, within my family and outside of my family to others. And similarly, my value in running is not reliant on races. It's, it's how it makes me feel. So like I think said. those are, yep. yeah. That's a perfect summation. I could not have said it better myself. So. Okay. So next question. Um, Lisa, I, I just want to share with you to preface this, that you went through a very transformative year in 2020. And I so admire you with how you handled the year with such grace and strength and fortitude. And you're just a shining example on, on how to navigate an unpredictably tough situation within a pandemic. So um, Lisa, um, you of course went through a divorce in 2020. And I wanted to ask you, what advice do you have for women, particularly moms, who are going through divorce, who aren't yet on the other side like you are? That's, a, I mean, an amazing question. I told you before when you sent me the questions, they really made me think. And I thought through a lot of these on, on my run this morning. And this is one that I thought about in particular because I haven't really felt like I've been on the other side to give advice yet. And I feel like I'm getting there now. Um, so, you know, I would preface this with one thing I've learned is that everyone's experience is totally different. Um, you know, the circumstances that it, it's, it's entirely different. Um, but the one similarity, couple similarities I've seen is that everyone has to go through the really low lows. You've got to get through the shit for lack of a better word, but you got to get through the shit to get to 
the other side. And if you just accept that and realize that there's going to be a tough time and whatever that tough time is for you. And everyone told me, they said, when you come out on the other side, it's going to be so much better, but you've got to go, you know, other people have been through it again, whatever their circumstances were. So it's like, if you know that you're just going to have to go through it, I think the most important thing is to not dwell in the negativity because you can get really bogged down in the negativity. And that is going to prevent you from moving forward, your, your kids, your loved ones, it's going to suck you down. And I think you can um, attest to the fact that I had, I had everything to, I had, I think I was justified in being very upset. I was hurt. Um, the, my yes. divorce was not, was not a choice of mine. Um, there were circumstances that, you know, I, I think I would have been justified in being very negative and very, um, very bitter. Um, my ego was crushed. Um, you know, it, it was a bad situation and, um, it was, it was not something I wanted and I wanted to, I was trying to fight for something that obviously didn't, didn't happen. So, um, I think I had every reason to be negative and to, to, um, you know, to dwell in that. And when you dwell in that, and when you, um, project that out, um, it just, um, I think it prevents you from moving forward. So I had to really just, um, again, accept that there was going to be a really sucky period to go through, um, focus on what was important to me. And that really was my kids and frankly, myself, um, and, and figure out like once I, you know, the first few months where I was drowning, like I, I'll, I'll tell you, like to get through a day when I wasn't crying was like a success and it didn't happen very often. And at some point, a kind of a light bulb switched in my head and I realized, okay, this is happening. I may not want it. This is not what I want, but this is happening. And I've got to figure out now how to get through this crappy part and eventually so that I can come out on the other side in a really good position. And um, having friends like you and family and a, a support network was key. Um, you know, finding that I could do things myself that I didn't know I could do. And, and it sounds silly and it has, sounds almost um, cliche and stereotypical, but I remember one night hanging a bunch of pictures on the wall or fixing some things that needed to be fixed in the house. I learned to mow the lawn. I mow the lawn now. Like doing those things made me feel really good. Like I can do this myself. And I will tell you that every person who told me you're going to be better when you come out on the other side was right. And I now to share a little bit of a personal side of the story. We don't get into our personal lives too much, um, but but um, you know, I know I've talked about my running partner Paul on the podcast before months ago, and my running partner Paul is now my partner Paul. <laughs> I would say you know maybe we're a little old to use this term, but boyfriend. Um, and I will tell you that it's so much better on the other side. And when um, when you know if if you find you know I didn't feel like I needed to find somebody, but you know I found myself and I was really happy. Um, with with how I was doing on my own, but um, really to be able then to see that um, you can have something that is um, meaningful and um, a relationship that's really um, supportive and productive and um, it makes me so happy. I'm happier now than I've ever been really, frankly, in my entire life. And um, so I had to go through the shit and I had to go through all of that and I had to um, not dwell in the negativity. I had to um, you know, uh, embrace what was, you know, what I, I would say, you know, our, um, our good friend, Rachel Miller had told us at our, at our 10 year run anniversary, you know, find one thing every day that makes you happy. 
And that's what I tried to do was find one thing, even if it was tiny things, something, you know, I did something with the kids. I made it through a day without crying. I learned how to mow the lawn today, whatever that was, one thing in your day, if you can find that to get you through the, the trough that you have to go through to get out on the other side, um, it, you really can find a lot of happiness. So that's what I would say. My biggest message is don't dwell in negativity because you can be justified in that and you could have a lot of sh shit to, that has happened to you. But if you dwell in it, you're never going to come out better on the other side. So that's beautiful. That and I'm, I'm so happy for you and I'm so proud of you. And I just, you amaze me every day. I'm so, I'm just always proud of you, but particularly over the past year and a half and what you've navigated. So let me ask you a follow-up. And that is, what do you say to friends and family who are who are trying to support someone who's going through what what you went through? How did how do you feel people could best support someone going through this? Um, you know, I think just um, really on the day to day, being there to um, to chat, to check in. You know, it was so nice. You would check in. People would check in. Just say, hey, how's it going? Hey, do you want to go well, pre-COVID? <laughs> hey, do you, I mean, and, and you're right, you know, this was complicated a lot because it was going through it during COVID. But even then, I would have people call, just say, hey, you want to, or do you want to chat? And um, just to know that, like, I didn't have to dwell in my sadness on my own and somebody would, you know, check in on me. I think just checking in, I don't, again, on the, on the, on the theme of don't dwell in the negativity, I didn't want somebody to trash, you know, my ex. I didn't want somebody to, like, you know, trash talk with. I just wanted somebody to say, hey, you want to chat? You want to sit outside in the driveway and, and chat tonight just to have that company? Um, because, um, you know, while I didn't feel like I was alone, sometimes you feel lonesome. And to, to know that you have that um, that support network. So again, there's there's not, you know, it's nice for, you know, people at first were like, can we do meals for you? And you can do, like, that's all, like, I think that's everyone's first reaction in a, in a, in a crisis is, can we give you meals? Can we do this? Um, like, I didn't need that, like that I could do, but just a call or in just a check-in. And, um, uh, you know, it was helpful for me to connect with people who had gone through a similar situation and had, you know, come out on the other side and again, weren't, you know, dwelling in the negativity of it, but how do you, how, how can you move forward? So I think that's the, the best thing. And, you know, you were always great about that. And, um, you know, definitely like some practical things of taking some, you, know, you always were so generous and saying, you know, if you can't handle this this week, tell me what I can take off your plate. And um, so there were some days where I was like, I just can't you know, do this. So, so that obviously is helpful, but I think really the the support of just being there. And I think that's, you know, anybody going through any type of crisis in their life just wants to have, know that there are people there and they may not call in them at a certain time, but um, just to know that they're there um, is, is helpful. So, um, so, and I know you, you know, you obviously haven't gone luckily through, the, through that type of situation, but you've had your share of challenges and I've always admired so much how you've handled your, your challenges. And one of the big ones for you is, um, you know, is injury. You've, You've had a couple of injuries that really sidelined you. And I think um, I see have made you a better coach because you are more empathetic to our runners who get injured. And that happens, you know, that happens to runners. And um, I admire the empathy that you can have. And I admire your same, you know, same kind of approach. You don't dwell on the negativity. You've always figured out how can this become like a growth experience? How can I make the best of it? So my question back to you would be what, and I know we've done the podcast before on this, but we haven't talked about it for a while. So, you know, what advice would you have now being on the other side of injury and, you know, a couple of times, what advice would you have for listeners who are, who are going through injury? 
Um, you know, I feel I feel so weird, like moving from what we just talked about without acknowledging just one more time. I just I adore you and I'm so proud of you. So, OK, I know I know it's not the same thing, but it is still, you know, again, it's not the war of the, or the, it's not a um, contest of the, of the tragedy. No, but the, I just I just need to acknowledge it's very, very similar. Like I look to you a lot and I joke with you a lot. You know, I say WWJD, what would Julie do? But I look to you, for example, in, in challenging times and and really, you know, in the scope of things that you've gone through that, you know, you've had a couple really, you know, where it's setbacks where they could have been really um, emotionally crushing and you figured out a way to to really come out on the other side. So um, I, I like to hear your advice on that anyway. So um, I guess with respect to injury, I will say I think the reason I'm able to handle injury and think about it as a as sort of part of the journey of running and training and looking at it like what do I need to do right now to get myself out of this injury or hole, whatever I'm in is because I personally have been faced with other challenges. So no matter how bad the running setback or running injury is, it's it's certainly not as bad as something a, a health, you know, a health crisis or or other things. And um, so I think my advice would be perspective because running is our hobby, and I love running. It's very important to me as it is to you. But when it's taken away from me because I'm injured, I recognize that generally. God willing, my injuries are temporary. So I always look at what, you know, what something could be, it could be worse, it could always be worse. So I do have that attitude. But I think what also has helped me is just kind of setting up a plan and and taking action and whether that action means rest or recovery, physical therapy, um, or just taking some time to figure out what that plan of action is, that still is taking steps. So the last part of this, I would say, and I don't know if I've talked about this, but it's not your fault. Like, I think often when we get injured as runners, the first thing we do is we feel like, what did I do? And while certainly there are things we can learn from with each injury, like the first injury I ever had was a stress fracture in 20, 2008. And I, I recognized that I had reached my breaking point and, oh, I'm not someone who can run 65 miles a week like some of my peers. And that caused a stress fracture. And okay. And so we learn things as we go along. And um, even in this, when something comes out of the blue, like my knee, it just kind of came out of the blue. I remember for a little bit, trying to figure out what did I do wrong? And it, that's not necessarily what it is at all. It's just injuries happen and we're all athletes and we work hard and it's part of this cycle of running. It's part of the cycle of life. And uh, yeah, my attitude about it is to just do your best to, to be um, productive, figuring out a way to move with it, not, not try to push through it. Um, giving your body, giving yourself patience, giving yourself grace, and also not beating yourself up. Um, but returning to injury is really tricky because everybody's on a different timeline. So I think acceptance and recognizing that our bodies don't know that we have a race in three weeks. So if, you know, we're injured, 
and it looks like we can't run the race, there'll be another race. And hopefully COVID and all these cancellations of races has brought some perspective to everyone with respect to there'll be another race, but you only have one body. So take care of your body and the race will be there next year. Don't try to push things because you're afraid that, you know, you you maybe you promised so-and-so that you'd run the race with them or you've, you've set a goal for yourself. It doesn't mean you failed. It just means you've had a little setback and everybody has those things. So that's my two cents with respect to Dave Gillibrey says the comeback's always sweeter than the setback. So it it is. So that's that's great. I think that's all really um I always like to hear it, even though I said that we've talked about it before and you've always been able to articulate that very well and demonstrate it, but I always think it's a good reminder. We wanted to take a quick break from the podcast to thank our friends at RNJ Sports for their support. RNJ is our go-to expert on all things running gear related particularly running shoes. If you've struggled with finding the right shoes, the staff at RNJ can help solve just about any problem or issue. As a small locally owned business, RNJ is heavily involved in and supportive of the local running community. They get runners. They are runners. RNJ has been an enthusiastic supporter of our podcast and our training programs, including our Montgomery County Public Schools program. We are so appreciative of their support. Check them out online at rnj that's rnjsports.com so my question to you next is <laughs> i love this question what is your biggest one. what is your biggest pet peeve running or generally <laughs> <laughs> i had to think through this one carefully because like i got a lot of pet peeves but my biggest pet peeve boils down to people who don't follow rules and that's just because i'm a rule follower myself so i get really <laughs> I mean, it can be, um, you know, driving and somebody doesn't merge in when they're supposed to and they go in the in the shoulder and they go up like what makes them special that they don't have to pay attention. They don't have to listen to the rules and get in, you know, an alternate merge. You know, what what is what is the problem there or um, running related? It would have to be, you know, bib swappers. Um, and this could be this is with the caveat that some people don't understand that this is an issue, but people who know that they shouldn't take somebody else's bib and they're like, eh, it's fine, I'll take it. I'm not going to get injured. Doesn't matter for me. I'm whatever. But that the rule is that you can't swap bibs and then somebody who swaps a bib and, you know, causes all sorts of problems. So, like, you know, just um, people who don't follow the rules um, really, you know, uh, that 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 is something that um, is really challenging for me that really gets under my skin and related a minor one that I was thinking about when I was thinking about my pet peeves um, is grammar, proper use of grammar. And specifically within that subset is the use of apostrophes. I get really upset when I see incorrect use of apostrophes. Somebody wrote to me an email the other day and said, Mondays, I won't be able to blah, blah, blah. And it was Monday with apostrophe S. Like, Monday's what? Like, it's Mondays, you know, uh, you know what, what belongs to Monday. So, um, so yeah, so the subset of grammar that I would be most pet peeved with is the misuse of apostrophes. So what about you? Okay, I love that. I will say in defense that why is it that the iPhone autocorrects yes. mistakes? I get really upset. I have to <laughs> fix that. And maybe the couple of times that I failed to fix that, I have to apologize profusely to the person. No, that was autocorrect. That was not. But yes, why does iPhone autocorrect? It's a very good question. What about you? Your, 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 your. There, there, there. Come on, people. <laughs> okay. So I, my pet peeve, and, and, you know, I have a lot of little pet peeves, but I would say like, how about as of late is uh, misuse of social media. So I really like oh, the acronym. That was on my list too. 
I was gonna go into this. That's funny, Julie. We didn't discuss this, but that was the first one I thought of in my head, and then I thought of ones that bother me more because that one's kind of very broad. But yes, I. So, like, you know, you know the acronym. Think. Is it thoughtful? Is it helpful? Is it important? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And I, I hope. I hope that most adults really do that because we are modeling behavior for, you know, future generations and, and proper use of social media. But man, this this past few years, social media has become such a shit show. And, and not just Facebook, because Facebook is, of course, more dialogue, whereas Instagram is more pictures. Um, but, you know, it's like, think about what you're sharing and sometimes i'll see things shared um where it's like why did you share that because that's I'm only just going to say it over sharing over sharing okay like, over sharing i'm just going <laughs> to say it there are you know certain i'm going to tell you i don't spend a lot of time on social media anymore because that is a pet peeve and i just i I've, I've tried to figure out my own life to get around that but yeah, exactly. Oversharing. It's and, and and you know what, like we've talked about this before, but then um feeding into the um life is perfect, like everything's perfect and great, like almost imagery that then can't like you said, you have to think about what what the perception is. And um yeah, so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> no, that's it. I mean, I don't yeah, just you know, if everybody kind of just thought through just for a minute, okay, how how is this post? going to make others feel because we're not posting for ourselves we post for others because it's an audience so it's kind of like thinking about I'm putting this out there and you know hundreds of people are going to see it so it's just a thought and I got to tell you something I've hit a wall with I like like there's certain things I, I like to share like you know first day of school pictures you know I love being able to share that College especially yeah, especially things, this yes. year but like, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Okay, so I'm in a little bit of a rut though. You know, I, I, I do our Instagram account. I, I can't figure out what to post on Instagram right now because generally we post people's race accomplishments on Instagram. We haven't had a lot of runners racing, so hopefully that'll happen. But I'm, I just don't love posting a photo just to post a photo. I just don't have anything to say right now. So like the last post I have of us is, from June when we did like a Lululemon mirror demo and they asked us to post something. And I, I know it will come, but that goes to the T. Is it thoughtful? I just, right now, we have so much going on. We're so busy coaching and doing the things that I'm, I'm honestly having trouble sort of figuring out what to post on social media. So I haven't the fact that you as much. Even have, the fact that you even have to worry about that is an, an indication of how much we've like, you know, how much our lives revolve around social media. Like, you know, we do need a presence on social media. So, you know, to be relevant. So, um, yeah, so it, that's just, um, yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you on that Pat you. So, um, I'd like to move to, us to, oh, sorry, you're gonna say, go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say in closing, it's hard too, because some people are just better at it. I'm, I'm not great at, posting on Instagram and stuff, but there are a lot of coaches out there that are brilliant at it. And I'm, I'm certain I, I admire what they're able to do. Their content is amazing. It's just not coming right now. And in, in the place that I think we're both in, we're in the weeds coaching and it's just not coming organically to set up videos. We are and, not digital names. About it. We are not no. <laughs> but That's I, a term I learned yesterday. Conversely, though, like on 
Facebook, it's really easy for me to post articles and, and for us to share runners' accomplishments. I think it's just, we're not, yeah, I like that phrase. We're not natives. So anyway, I hope to be better at it. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So I want to move to something happy and positive. Okay. What do you love most about yourself? And I love you game again, you came up with these questions and I really love that question. What do you love most about yourself? That's a great question. I, I can't think of an answer and it's not because I have a low self-esteem. It's just, I have a hard time answering this question. Um, so I would say I, I love that I'm resilient. And I'm not saying that because I am trying to say I've been through these hard, hard times and I'm resilient, but I'm saying that I, I didn't have the most magical, like upbringing at times. And I think I could have easily gone a different direction in how I live my life. And I'm, I feel like because I'm resilient and I do credit my, my mom to modeling resiliency for me. And I understand the value of resiliency and I'm grateful that I have it. And I feel that that has taken me a long way. So that's what I love about myself. I agree. Can I just add something that I love about you? And I talk about this a lot with friends of mine. And, and again, with the WWJD, like, you know, my dad, what would Julie do? I think you're amazingly empathetic. And I think you understand people. And I think you um, have a really good sense of people and you know how to connect to people. And I, I have always greatly admired that. So that's just, I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> I wanted to put that in there for you because I've Thank always you. admired that. So. WWJD. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so tell me, Lisa, I have so many things I love about you, but I want to hear what you love about you. This was also a very hard, again, one of those questions I have to really think about this morning. I'm like, oh, what am I going to say for this? But I, I really think, I think what I um, love and I don't ever want to lose is my optimism. Um, and it's been uh, interpreted in my life or come through in my life as naivete, naivety or as, um, you know, maybe not uh, too trusting. Um, and, you know, a lot of times I have to turn to people who are more, um, not skeptical, but more realistic than me to say like, wait a minute, like, you know, you're too trusting here, or this is, you know, to, to really give me like a healthy dose of skepticism. But but I don't ever want to lose that. Like if, if, if I um, get taken advantage of or lose out on things because I'm too optimistic or too trusting or too, um, you know, um, if that if that's what happens, then I, then I'm okay with that. Like that's okay. I'd rather look at something and assume the best of it than look and see that there might be like a bad side and um, and maybe there is a bad side and it comes out later and I, I figure out like well that was stupid. I didn't see that. Um, but I'd rather go through life assuming assuming the best and um, and and you know having that optimism. So I still remember a story that my friends in in college used to make fun of me. Um, we went to a we had an outing to a. Um, it was like Six Flags of Atlanta and Georgia, Six Flags in Georgia. And we had an outing and it was a rainy, horrible day, but we still had to go. And we were all like, all right, we're going. And we were on the rides in the rain. I kept looking at this guy going, I think it's going to clear. I think it's going to clear. And everyone was like, Lisa, it's not clearing. Like the rain is here all day. It's, it's the rain is coming. I'm like, no, no, no. Don't look at the clouds over there. It looks like it's going to clear. I think we're going to get. And so all through college, my friends would make fun of me and say, it's like sunny Lisa, like, you know, it's going to clear. It's going to clear. So, you know, I think back to that and that, I mean, that's way back in college. And, and if that's, if it rained all day and we had to, you know, we had to deal with the rain all day, that was fine. But I kept having that hope of like, maybe it'll be, and that optimism. So, um, so I, that's, I guess, you know, one thing that I think, um, you know, that I, that I, that I like about myself. 
I love your optimism. I always appreciate it, but it shouldn't be mistaken for weakness because you are like the strongest person outside and inside. So I love that you are an optimist, but you're, you're a savvy optimist and you, you are not naive. You're a very strong and I love that about you. And I would say another quality that I just admire you tremendously for is Lisa, you are so smart. You just, you just understand things very quickly. I always admire, like you pick up on concepts quickly. You're always able to just execute things in, in multitask in such an organized and admirable way. You just, you have a very big brain and uh, you use it often and you are just great at a lot of different things, not just running. And uh, yeah, you're, I'm very lucky to have a lot coming from somebody who I think is very smart. So thank you. Thank you very much. Of course. All right. Next question. Your turn. Um, Or is it my turn? It's your turn, but I can, I I can read it. You do it. Okay. Yeah. I'll read it to you. How would you describe your perfect day? Okay. So my perfect day would be sunny. It would be like uh, 80 degrees because it would start out in the 60s where I'd have a really great run with friends, um, followed by, you know, some coffee. And then uh, either if I were on vacation, uh, water skiing or um, hanging, because I love water skiing now. (laughs) Or hanging out on a boat out in the water. I don't love like sitting on a beach, but like for a little bit, but being on a boat is really lovely because you're outside, but not, but still relaxing. And then I would say uh, reading for a little while uh, in the shade in a hammock, uh, followed by a wonderful happy hour on the beach. And uh, then uh, going to bed uh, probably around 10 o'clock so I can get up the next day and not feel like shit. So that would be my perfect day. And all of this, of course, shared with um, friends and family. How about you? I, I join you on that perfect day. That sounds like a really good perfect day. My, uh, so not surprisingly, it's very similar. First, I said, though, I, I would wake up not to an alarm. Like, I would love to just, like, I'm sure I would wake up early anyway, because that's what we do. But oh, to not wake up, like, I keep thinking, like, when's the next day I can not set an alarm? And oh, it's very, like, not in the near future. So not setting alarm, waking up. I got to say, today, the day we have here is pretty darn perfect. It is, like, I don't know what it is right now, but this morning was like 65, 70, dry and sunny. Like I said, that's my perfect running day. So of course I would want to start with a run. Like that would be um, a run. Um, I, I would obviously now, but I would like to have Paul <laughs> with my with me, my, my running, my running buddy, obviously. So starting out the day with a run with him um, and, and also spending it on the water, like you said, and not necessarily on the beach. We're very similar to that. Like, I don't want to sit on the beach all day, but being at the water, being on the water um, with my kids, my family, like that, um, and my friends, like that, that to me um, is, is, is certainly a perfect day. Getting in some reading, you mentioned that, like that to me also, that's like something I love to do and I don't ever get enough time to do it. And um, I always say, I'm going to like take a few night minutes before I go to bed at night and then I go to bed too late. So having some time to sit and read, um, um, go out and riding my bike. Like that's the other thing is I'd love to fit in, fit in a bike ride. Um, so I think of my perfect day at the beach, like our, you know, we're our beach that we go to is Bethany beach. So I think it would be, you know, at Bethany beach, um, you know, in, in those kind of conditions, running, cycling, funning time with my loved ones, um, kind of all the stuff that you mentioned. And I would have to add in some sushi and some candy and some like M&Ms like that would make it, that would make it really perfect. 
Oh my gosh, like that is an amazing day. And I think we kind of share just each, I mean, we both don't love the cold, so it kind of makes sense, but this is cracking me up. So we'll, we'll spend our perfect day together one day. I think that sounds great. Okay, so what gets you excited these days? I'm really just a whole new chapter, like everything ahead. Like I really feel like I've um, I just like everything that lies ahead of, for, for a number of reasons. First of all, you know, we're starting to come out of the pandemic, hopefully, and um, having a lot of opportunities and, and really just, um, like I said, like just having sort of a whole new, all the opportunities that lie ahead and um, all of the things that we have to look forward to. So that's, that's what gets me excited these days. Every, every day, really, and you had asked about a perfect day and what gets me excited. And I thought for the first time in a really long time, I wake up every day feeling like every day is a perfect day, really. Just, I mean, really oh, happy. I love so, that. So I do. Like every day is a perfect day. And, you know, every day I'm excited to get to get up. I mean, maybe not excited to wake up and get out of bed, but, but you know, it's, it's, um, it feels good. So what about you? I, I think a couple things are getting me excited. Also anxious, but I think excited is a better word. I suddenly have two high schoolers and yeah. having my kids in the same school for one year, a freshman and a senior and watching them grow. Um, you know, there's a lot of growth over the next few years with both of them. And I'm excited to kind of watch them turn into these adult humans. And I really enjoy spending time with both of them these days more so than ever. And I think it's just because they're growing up into these funny, witty people. And certainly parenting is really hard. Don't get me wrong, but I'm excited about this phase. Um, also anxious knowing my son is leaving the nest in a year. And I just am excited for this year and what, what that will entail. And also just trying to make the most out of the, his last year at home and, and some of the fun things we're doing. I will say like one thing we're doing in a few weeks is, and I don't even know if he's going to apply here, but you know, I'm a huge Ohio state fan. I grew up in Columbus and I promised him that when the year we were doing like the college search year and visiting that we would go to a real Ohio state football game and Ohio state football is it like the epitome of college football and we're going to an Ohio State football game in a few weeks and I am so excited. So he's like, have you scheduled a tour yet? And I was like, yeah, we should probably do that. <laughs> so it's all about the football well, game. But, about the tour, right. right. So basically I'm excited to make some really positive memories, especially this year after last year. I okay. So um, what about being a coach brings you the most joy? Wow. That, that one was actually a pretty easy one for me. I mean, first of all, we are so fortunate to do what we love. You know, we, we look what we get to do. We're so fortunate, but what I love most are um, the friendships and relationships that we've forged through the years. So many of our runners we can say are our friends and, and truly like, and I think it's because we really, really care about these people. We really get to know them. We really get to understand their motivations. Um, and, and, so those friendships, I mean, I look back, we have so many people that we've, we've really formed um, decades long now, decade long relationships with. And um, it, it's just, um, it, to me, that's, that's the best part of it is, is those friendships that we've made. And certainly, you know, seeing people achieve their goals, that's obviously what we want to do. And, and so seeing those people who've now become our friends um, kind of overcome their doubts and overcome, um, you know, the, the, their, their reservations that they may have had throughout the process. Um, that to me is, um, I, I, I can't believe that like we get to do this for a living. So 
I have a feeling your answer is similar, but tell me what, tell me about what you love most about coaching. I love most about coaching, watching someone achieve their goal or watching someone achieve something they thought was out of reach. And so it, it's just always such a pleasure, no matter what the runner's goal is, whether it's running a first 5K to, you know, running their 10th marathon by getting a specific time, whatever the goal is, when when a runner you coach achieves it, it, it is so euphoric. Like I get such a excite, I'm more excited for them than I could ever be for myself. Oh, yeah. And similarly, what also brings me joy though, is being that person for a runner who didn't hit their goal. I, I do get a lot, I wouldn't say joy, but I get a tremendous amount of satisfaction when I'm able to guide a runner who may be frustrated with not hitting goal to understanding that, hey, look at what I did in the process. Look at what I've achieved. The time isn't really a measure of my achievement as much as I got through this training and now I'm a better runner and I'm going to build on that fitness. So um, those two things kind of bring me joy and, and great satisfaction. And likewise, I, I am so grateful that we have we started this gig 11 years ago and oh 12 almost 12 years ago yeah and crazy. it's crazy and I still think of us as like this sort of newer thing and we're not and I'm so appreciative that we get to do this it's I just really and the people we coach are amazing so yeah okay so what brings you the most frustration Oh, um, a couple of things, but um, I think I mean one of the biggest frustrations, and I think for both of us, is injury, um, and and not really being uh, we are in control of it in as much as we can, um, you know, structure a training plan that we think, but uh, you know, will work. But like you said before, injuries happen, and it's not it's hard for me as a coach, and I know it's really hard for you too to not feel at fault. And I we've talked to other coaches about this who've said every time a runner of theirs gets injured, they feel it's their fault. And you do, you feel like, you know, somebody trusts you with their training, they put their training in your hands. And if they're injured, um, even if it's not anybody's fault, you feel responsible. So that, that to me is um, frustrating. And related to that is the frustration that I think we both feel with runners who don't quite get that, um, you know, that in order to um, achieve big things on race day, you may have to dial things back in the training. Um, and you don't have to go 100% hard you don't have to win every training run. And, and those are typically runners that, you know, come to us and, you know, they're, they're newer runners sometimes, or maybe not even newer runners, but you want to just like shake them and say, like, trust us. Like we've seen this now for 12 years. We've seen it in our own running. We've seen it in other runnings in other people's running. You don't have to win every training, training run. You don't have to um, run everything super hard. And that's related to the injuries because that often will, you know, lead to injuries. And that's super frustrating when you've been trying to tell somebody, slow it down, ease it up, and then they get injured. And you're like, you didn't have to be here if you, you know, if you'd listen. So, um, so those, I guess, are kind of related, um, related. So what about you? Uh, I, I was, my answer was definitely going to be running the easy runs too fast. Um, just, it's hard to see that and know that a runner could, even faster if he or she slowed down those easy runs a little more. Um, or running but, through injury, you know, running through injury too. Is running through one. injury. We see, like people we want that, you know, we tell people trust you can take the time, take the time off now. That's frustrating when you know they could prevent that from getting worse that injury. Yeah. And I would say the other frustration, it's more of an emotional frustration is um, when runners get defensive, when you as a coach 
try, it's hard to coach because it's really easy as a coach to just tell folks what they want to hear all the time, because that's what makes you like, likable. So sometimes it's hard to, I mean, I want to be liked. I don't want to upset anyone. And it's hard sometimes to have to tell a runner something that they should never take personally. It's not personal, but it's just more, hey, I'm noticing this pattern and let's figure this out. Or, um, hey, I really don't think that it's, uh, even though maybe, you know, an expert, another expert told you it's okay to run, I would really suggest you not run yet because you, you want to make sure that you're recovered fully. So sometimes it comes from a place of just um, not really wanting to be coached, but not understanding it. And sometimes we have to sometimes say to a runner, you know what, let's take a break from coaching because if someone really doesn't want to be coached, we don't want to waste their time. And we certainly don't want to create anything where a runner feels upset. So that's my frustration. I don't know if that's that, that makes sense, but it's yeah. more just, you know, having to be being the bearer in a position, sometimes. Being in yeah. a position of like the bearer of bad news or the one yeah. who's like not going along, you know, right. And that's what we're here for. And that's what you think people would, you know, hire a coach is because, you know, if, if they could coach themselves, then they probably wouldn't need a coach. So, you know, like you said, it, it, it can be a challenge and frustrating sometimes to have to be the one to say like, no, I think we're going to go in a different direction when they want to go. They have their own ideas of what, what they should be doing. So yeah, that, that, that can be frustrating. I, I agree with that. But if you could, so just, just to go to the last question and kind of to segue into that, if you could go back 12 years now to when we first <laughs> became, became coaches and started coaching together, um, what would, what advice would you give yourself? Oh gosh, this was a hard one. I know I wrote this question, but I couldn't think of an answer. No, there's so much advice. I would say the first um, one piece of advice is that um, it's okay to say no. Um, sometimes it's, it, and that's just generally, I mean, we are both such yes people, but it's okay sometimes to say, you know what, I, I can't do that right now, but I, I would love to do it another time, but I can't do that right now. And, um, another is that it's okay to, it's, it's okay to not do something for free. And that's something that we got advice from a lot of experts about five years in that said, you know, you guys do a lot for free and, you know, think about sort of your value and we want to do things for free. That's our nature. We, we want to be charitable and we are, I think with our time generous, but I also think, you know, just, and we're not great at this still, but understanding that in any business, it's okay to be paid for your service. Um, that's advice. I, I need to follow that advice better. I think we both struggle with that. And then the third piece of advice, and there's so much, is um, get a platform like Final Surge right away. Because man, when we first started out, especially virtual coaching, we were- <laughs> I forgot we, about that until you just said that. We used to do like PDF calendars and whoa, yeah, until you just mentioned that. that that's, yeah, it would take really a lot, lot of time. That's Those are really good. Good piece of advice. Yours, yours focus, yours um, focus more on our business, which I think is great. I was thinking more kind of along the lines of being a coach and coaching athletes. And mine that I thought of was um, to not to be such a strict adherent to the rules. So uh, after I said I'm a rule follower, but you know, but the traditional, um, you know, the traditional rules of running, like not to increase mileage more than 10% a week, not to, you know, about nutrition, about, um, you know, 
eating within 30 minutes after. So those are all really good starting points and all really good things to keep in, in mind, but also recognizing that each runner is an individual and, um, you know, certain rules may not stick to somebody where we think, you know, we, we think they've got to fit into a certain, um, you know, no, you've got to stick to this. Well, some don't need to, or some may need some, another approach. So, um, you know, especially for new runners, get new coaches getting certified and you go through a class and you learn all the principles of training and those are great to have. And I think we need those to start with and we need those as a baseline, but then recognizing that there is some flexibility and that there's change over the years. You know, so many things, so many things that we learned 12 years ago aren't really the traditional knowledge right now, or the, you know, research has proven things different, or we've learned just through trial and error that it's not always the case. So I think not um, adhering so strictly to a set of like what we think hot training has to look like, or um, you know, training principles that um, that we stick so strictly to that we can't see that there's an individual behind them and that person may need something different. So that was sort of my, kind of my thought. I, I love that. Can I add to that? We, yeah. um, I had like a dialogue with a runner the other day was asking a question and, um, he said something to the effect of, I'm not, I'm not sure what your coaching philosophy is with this. And I was like, you know, we don't really have a philosophy. It's more like we have a lot of people that we coach and we coach based on each person because, everyone is different. While there are similarities between certain populations, everyone, like there are probably more similarities, you know, between women in their thirties and more similarities, of course, between women in their forties, that kind of thing. But really everyone is different. So using data and, and using principles, but recognizing that they don't fit squarely within each for each person is really, really important. And that's not something we we really couldn't teach ourselves that. This is years of experience that we've developed to be able to sort of look at things like a puzzle and, and intuition. So to your point, I love that because if we followed rules and didn't use our intuition, I, I don't think we'd be providing a great service for a lot of people. And I and, and you know, we're not for everyone. That's true too. There may be runners out there that really like very strict principles and and sometimes we can't do that but i i very much believe and i think it's very helpful we work together even though you you may be coaching someone specifically and i'm coaching someone specifically we bounce so much off of each other i couldn't imagine doing this journey without you and thank you and so as a segue on our hundredth episode couldn't imagine ever launching a podcast by myself so props to people who do that i don't know how they do that because who would i talk to yeah i don't want to hear myself thank you this is it has been and i just want to hit back on what you talked about that intuition and the experience and that's i mean really something as new coaches we couldn't really foresee but as we see now and it's really in anything I mean it's the same thing we went both went to law school but until you actually practice law and until you actually are in the field you don't you don't get it like you don't you think you come out of law school you're like I know everything you do not know it and anything you do you don't really get good at it until you do it for a long time and you experience it and that's I think what 12 years of of doing this and hopefully 100 podcast episodes hopefully we're getting better at that too but I think that's what it's really given us is, is that intuition and that I like that word that you use is that we really that's what we rely upon for our coaching. And I think that's what's helped us um, help help other runners over the years is that it's our intuition and it's, you know, so many years of experience. So I can't imagine doing this with anyone else 
other than you. And I'm proud of us for making it to hundred episodes. I hope people are still listening and I'm excited Thanks, guys. for, I'm excited for what we've got to come. Like, you know, we've got, we, we question whether we'd be able to put together 10 episodes at first and we keep finding really cool things to talk about and guests to bring on. And I think it's enriched my life tremendously. Um, like I said, every time we get off, there's some nugget of wisdom or some something that really we take away from our podcast guests. And I can't wait for the next 100. Yeah. So in closing, thank you to everyone who has supported our podcast over the past 100 episodes and particularly those who um, we see who give us feedback right in. We've got a lot of people who've given us tremendous feedback, constructive, positive, whatever it is. We appreciate it. Thank you to all who've reviewed our podcast. If you haven't already, we would so appreciate a review so people can find us. And thank you to all the guests who've come on, um, such amazing guests and those who supported um, those guests, who provided suggestions for those guests. We really appreciate it. So uh, Lisa, here's to another 100. Can't wait. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Lisa. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Run Farther and Faster Boston Marathon podcast. We want to give a special thanks to our editor, Aaron Bryant, And if you enjoyed this episode and enjoy listening to our podcast, please share it with others and please leave a review if you haven't done so already on iTunes. Thanks for listening and have a great week.